0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zoopans Markets. Zoopans, where you'll find on sale now, of course, it's hatch chili season, yep. so there'll be hatch chilies. You'll also be able to get uh, hatch cornbread muffins Ooh. over there on sale. Nice. Uh, Sarah's cookies, Amqua um, ice cream, and of course, I don't know if you've ever, no- I know you've noted it. But if anybody hasn't been to Zoopans to check out the selection of sausages they have there, they have some chicken and pork sausages on sale. They've got right an now.
1: unbelievable selection, and there's always
0: like a sausage of the week. Yeah. And they're delicious, and uh, I'm sure they can guide you to one you might like. Oh, yeah. There's so many. I could guide you to one that I like. (laughs) Which one is that? Do I put you on the spot? But I I had one. I had just the English banger the other day. Okay. Just straight up classic English banger. Like, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. They're, by the way, they're meat and fish cases yes. are fantastic, yep. and the and everybody behind them is very helpful. Other thing that's uh, super helpful is their specialty items. It's
1: back to school time, and I saw this the other day, Chris, when I was looking for my wife. She wants a reusable produce bag, and they have this awesome selection of Zupan's made in France, uh, pretty much what the French people carry around. But right next to that, uh, they have this really great uh, stuff for packing lunches for your kids. If you want to be sustainable and stop using plastics and stuff that's not going to go away in the environment. They've got a great uh, bunch of essentials to help you stay organized and sustainable. Incorporate lunch skins, stasher bags, conserve and maple. Um, All sorts of selections for you. If you're you're packing lunch for your kids or doing the bento boxes, Zupans is the place to pick that up.
0: Stock up. So you're talking about uh, products from France, Mm -hmm. from Italy. Pasta di Liguria, one of the smallest coastal regions in northwest Italy. They have... It's really, whoever did the packaging for this pasta, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to win packaging of the year. It's so beautiful. But uh, the pasta was delicious, and uh, they have great pasta selection, by the way. And Zupan's also buy their Zupan's homemade sauces mm-hmm. to go with. We do that all you the time. Like? Yeah, so it's great. But check out pasta. It was one of my recent purchases that I really enjoyed. We've
1: just named off like 5 awesome reasons why we love Zupan's and you will too. You got to check out their 3 locations: Lake Oswego, West Burnside, McAdam and always zupans.com. It is time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures.
0: And Court, today, I always have to mention the headwear, Mm -hmm. sporting the black-on-black Adidas hat with, uh, like, three-dimensional, nice Adidas logo. Yeah, raised,
1: raised, but but from a distance, you would say, oh, Court's wearing a black hat. Right. Close up, you're like, oh, that's an Adidas hat. I got a question for you because we often talk talk about talk about my hat. <laughs> Occasionally, you'll talk about baseball. You being a big baseball fan, yeah. did you see those new uniforms that MLB rolled out for the for uh, Players' Weekend? Yeah, the so whites the, and you, the blacks? whites on whites, white white uh, on white with like some outlining, and then black on black. I
0: only saw the Mets and who were they playing? It was it was a bad weekend. Yeah, no matter what, they lost. And what did you think of those? Uh, you know, it's. <sighs> More stuff to sell. Sure. Which is exactly why they do it. You know, I don't know. It's interesting to watch. It used to be that once a year they would do throwbacks. I remember when that was the only different thing they did. Yeah. And, um
1: well then no they realize that uh the, the cells. dummies like you and i that are fans of whatever will go out well actually we're probably smarter than the average i don't dummy. buy a lot of no i like i don't either because i've major league baseball yeah. stuff i found myself uh my the the jazz fan in, in me because i grew up in utah utah mm-hmm. jazz fan like that's really just been ignited lately mm-hmm. and i'm like oh, all right i'll get a hat and a t-shirt or two but like beyond that because they're putting out jerseys for a- any reason at all well
0: i'll tell you what's cool and uh this has nothing to do with this podcast nope nothing at all but what's cool is this uh i follow this i guess i looked on their website ebbets flannel Mm -hmm. they have the coolest old time um all sorts of sports but they everything looks really cool Those i might wear sure um but uh it's not overtly it's not overtly a a sports I'm i'm not one to you know i love my new york mets but i don't care to flaunted all over the place right not, and it doesn't play well in Well now i know what to get you for your birthday next year uh, well okay <laughs> i'm not making any promises but yeah. at least now i know i'll remember that i yeah. gonna i'll send it somewhere around mid-april i'll send you this i'll send you this clip if if you decide As to run a, it so you're minor. in control you can edit that out Just like uh, if you want chris will never
1: remember this gift i promised him or right
0: someone. but what i do like to do I went to a hops game last night for the first time. Oh ever. yeah, he sent me a picture. It was, yeah, it was, it was a was really pretty. beautiful night yeah. with my son. That was cool, but I, you know, I like to eat at ballparks. Mm-hmm. We just recently went to City Field, and I think we racked up about 150 bucks in food vendor costs. Ah, just that. And one of the things that uh, we had there mm-hmm. <laughs> was ice cream. Right. So this episode is uh, of right along, right along that alley. Is that really? That's not really a. Parallel to the
1: alley, are you talking about how we were we're uh, segueing, we yeah, we dovetailing segue, these but two together right along that alley? But I think isn't really something. I, I think you did uh, pr- pretty decent, <laughs> pretty decent. I mean, you went on a uh, you did a tour of Major League Baseball stadiums, and you were you were hot analyzing dogs. hot dogs. I, I wouldn't and call it analyzing. It was
0: an enjoying them and rating sure. them. We were rating them,
1: yeah. but but there's been this trend lately, and we see it here in Portland at the at the Moda Center and, and other facilities where people are really stepping at the airport. Would be another example. So right. Really stepping up the their game in terms of what's offered uh, in terms of food. Right. As you're you're passing in through Portland, you have yeah. to do
0: that. You can't serve basic food at an event. They, right. They they, get, they caught on to that yeah. at, at uh, the Moda Center and. And at the airport too. Yeah. And um, so we have uh, now we have chickpea based ice cream in Portland, and we we had the good fortune of having Micah Camden on the podcast to uh, actually announce that. Yeah. When he and and he brought samples. He brought samples, which we'll get to in a minute. Mm -hmm. And um, so and Micah had developed a little. Big burger. So this is, a, and we address it with Anthony Caffiero mm-hmm. on the podcast, having some resources with which to open a business has been very helpful. Right. So Little Bean is chickpea-based ice cream. The shop is in the Pearl. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, a bakery, too. Right, the, gluten byproduct, gluten. the byproduct
1: from this, my understanding, and in, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, the byproduct from making the ice cream with the chickpeas is they have this other thing that they can use to make gluten-free baked goods. Right. Cookies, breads.
0: Right. So Anthony Cafiero, who we know previously from some really great restaurants, Mm -hmm. like if you go back as far as 1001, which was one of my first favorite places in Portland, and then he went to Tabla, Mm -hmm. and uh, then he opened Racion. That's not then. There were some things in between. He did some pop-ups. Um, And also, man, Bible Club. Mm -hmm. So he's got some chops. And he's also got a lot of personality and he's got a lot of smarts. Reed College graduate. Yeah. Um, So we haven't talked to him for a few years, but he's running the, he's general managing Little Bean down there. And uh, we've had him on the podcast. As you mentioned, uh, Micah, when he came in, brought some of the product when it was first, basically in Testing mode, but he was out giving samples to people at that time. Right. Or about to. Anthony brought in uh, four pints for us. Yeah. You took two. I took two. We, 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 we got him home. We didn't ask him what
1: what the flavors we were getting. It was kind of the mystery. We
0: went by the- The, the yeah, label. The label. Yeah. We didn't know exactly. But he had told us there was a creamsicle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could tell there was chocolate. Anyway, I took two. I took the cream. I ended up with the creamsicle. Right. And the chocolate. Mm-hmm which were both v- excellent and better than I remember when Micah came came in here, and I'll tell you why. Because when Micah came in, we tried them, and they were really hard. Yeah. And I'm someone who, you know, used you to You like a little my- softness? Oh, man, I, I don't have a microwave anymore, but yeah. I used to always put— Oh, you would microwave your ice the- cream? Just to get it to a soft state. Interesting. So by the time I had this and got it home, it was nice and a little soft. It was so delicious. My yeah. son and I, he said— The chocolate would go up against any chocolate. The creamsicle was very good, Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't as good as the chocolate. The chocolate that was was your preferred out of the two. I would get the chocolate, and you know, right next to my favorite Ben and Jerry's fish food. I would, you know, I'd get that too, and it's healthier. Yeah, I I ended
1: up with um, a coffee, and I'm actually going to pull it up because I know they have technical names on these. Right. Um, It was the the coffee one i'm I'm scrolling here that's not that's what, a good name that's the not what they, that's one. not what they call it uh it's the cold brew coffee cold brew coffee uh, okay. which my wife absolutely loves in fact she's been texting me nonstop. where did you get this work can i get more right and then also the szechuan strawberry
0: oh szechuan yeah that's very nice yeah
1: and both of them are good and my, my biggest takeaway on these is and this is what in the episode with micah he talked about um, what they were setting out to do is give the the mouthfeel, the texture of normal ice cream, because mm-hmm. a lot of those lactose free, dairy free ice creams don't feel like ice cream. Mm-hmm. But this does. But it has a lightness to it that it's not heavy like you get out of ice cream. Where if if you eat like a quarter of a pint or a half a pint or maybe a full pint, <laughs> uh, that heavy that you you don't feel as horrible with yourself right. afterwards because it's not sitting in you. It's just it's it's
0: lighter. It's it's interesting, right? Well, yeah. the, fir- the first key to that is get rid of the mirror. Correct. Right? Sure. sure. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I so, avoid them. Look, at, I've done that after a bad night in Vegas and a whole pint of ice cream. Looking at yourself in the mirror is not the first thing right. you want to do. Sure. But I would say, you know, that for me, the um, the criteria is would I order this or would I buy this, the, the, and that's their goal, by the way, right. is distribution in grocery stores and places like that, mm-hmm. not necessarily shops. But uh, would I buy this uh, if I'm staring at other options right. that I'd rather have? Yeah. I would. Yeah. Because it's really tasty and it's healthier Right for me too. So, um, but it got there. It would be really, it doesn't have, it would be really easy mm-hmm. for someone to attempt something like that and say, no, nope, not there. I right. mean, I've done that with a lot of, sure. I need to get down there and try some of their, they're baked goods because I've done that with a lot of baked goods. Yeah, nope, not there. Yeah. not doing it. One that, bite. You remember that gluten. Right, it's not good. But not We out.
1: we we did get some of the cookies. I don't know if you remember when Micah came in. Uh, they, were, they were good.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, did I get any of those? Yeah, I might have. I might have kept them to myself. Yeah, you might have. I don't know. But now I got to go down and get some. But anyway, Anthony Caffiero, uh, really nice guy, great haircut, mm-hmm. and. Um, and really enjoyed this interview with him. It was nice to catch up and uh man he, he as as we talk about in the podcast, you think you're going to be a chef, and then all of a sudden you're consulting and doing all these other things and I think one of the nice things to talk to him about was um the business of a place like Racion, right, which was in you know the indigo building downtown, really mm-hmm. nice restaurant. And the heartbreak of closing it and what that's all about. And uh, we talk about it here. It's a good listen. And it's more than an hour. Mm -hmm. It's a little over an hour this this episode. And uh, strongly suggest it.
2: Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at ZooPans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. By Portland Food Adventures, tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astrid Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia-Romagna. It's all at portlandfoodadventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact right at the Fork host Chris Angelus for more information and special savings on these PFA food journeys. And by Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV & Appliance. Standard TV & Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features. For your upgrade or remodel, Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947.
3: I actually just did like eight hours of recording last Wednesday.
0: Reading your audio book?
3: No, man. Um, <laughs> playing a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons for this uh, podcast. My friend has. Oh, nice! That was good. So was it, you
0: play it on the podcast? Yeah,
3: yeah. So it's it's tricky to play and like use your mic discipline in like a you know there's like six other people. Um, I've never heard of the term mic discipline. What mic? Discipline. I have, and I appreciate
1: you
0: using
3: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, we had to record for like eight hours. It's it's going to get cut up into four one hour episodes of like adventure with a good stop, adventure with a good stop.
0: Cool. But What's it, the name of the podcast? It's
3: called um, League of Ultimate Questing. It's really it's it's pretty it's pretty unique in like the D and D podcast world, which is mostly just a bunch of nerds playing D and D with mics on. This is different, where they've made it like, um, like being in adventures, like being on a sports team, um, and all the production value and like the backup stuff and the B real stuff is kind of like ESPN esque. Like mm-hmm. there's two, there's a color commentator and like a play by play that come in like three times an episode to kind of like bring people up to date on what's going on. Wow. Yeah, it's actually pretty like, it's so not a nerdy way to do it. Like, let's make it like sports. And it actually works but out wouldn't really well. you
0: need the visual? If you don't, you know, a podcast doesn't seem to me to be the... Well, the ultimate, the the best way to do that.
3: A lot of D anD D is played theater of the mind, though. Like you don't have to have minis and stuff. Like we were rolling dice and had our own maps out. But oh, okay. The descriptions of it are, and the the DM running it is excellent at like really making an environment imaginable in your head pretty quick. So it it actually translates really well if you do it right, and and he is doing it right. But it was eight hours of D anD D, and like we'd like retake things that were pretty. Was, it was eight hours in one sitting? Yeah, yeah. We wow. we crank through it. because um, like we're only going to get together once a month kind of thing. And I was a guest on it. I won't be on it again. It was like one of the um one of the main players just had a kid. So I stepped in as like as a as a guest player on their team and like went through this whole ordeal and then got out of it. It was great.
0: So do you think having a kid he's gonna be able to be still be a main player
3: dude i don't know i played really well too i mean i know these people really pretty well um so it was kind of fun playing with but i've never played D with them so it was pretty fun getting to know them and kind of do like a little voice and have a different attitude because i've been listening to it they're on like their 20th episode so i know what's going on as like a viewer as a as someone enjoying it from the other side of the mic mm-hmm. um but it was pretty cool to like be in like to kind of see how, how it has to be put together. They were psyched. They just got new like mic stand things, you know, and like new pop screens. So they had their gear together. It sounds good.
0: Good, yeah. Well, it's your kind of thing, you know. One of the things that struck me when we first met mm-hmm. is you're very comfortable. You were, you we didn't have a mic in front of you when we first met, but we had a bunch of people, mm-hmm. and you're very comfortable in front of an audience.
3: I had right. to learn. I had to learn that from early days at like, probably. To, it's weird. I've only been in an open kitchen, almost always. Which almost all of them are here, generally. Right, and that and that really teaches. You know, you don't really think of cooks as like the most social people in the world. Not um, all
0: of them are, but they don't have, even those that, for, for have had to, that, that have open kitchens. They haven't figured that out yet.
3: Yeah. And you know, some cooks like being in the back cause that's how their personality is. But from like Nostrana and like 1001 on those were Nostrana. You had to like be a server for them back in those days. the are like the year one of Nostrana. Like we did wine and filled glasses while we were putting pizza together on that, on that pizza bar. So learning how to deal with people, that happened right then and then it, all the way into tablo where you almost have seven seven tables you know right. seven seats to to handle right there so it's always been like i've i've grown into like being comfortable and social with w- with a job that's usually reserved for the misanthropes and the in the back of back of house kind of people
0: right but so um it's part of your personality you didn't just learn it at nostrana or somewhere else cuz you have to you know, you have, the two things have to converge: your personality, and there's the opportunity. Right, it. It, it was
3: like right place, right time, and that's yeah. So it all, it all like worked out that way. But we're not like, I don't think of us as like my oldest brother works for the Renfair; he's a performer. And I one day I asked him like, Adam, do you think um like I is this in our family? Is this like in our genes to like like have no problem talking in front of 150 people or something? He's like, "Oh I'd, I'd train myself. I definitely was not this person. Like this is a character." Um, and my response was, "I guess I trained myself, but I just I just have had to do it so I just got better at it and more comfortable." I remember being super shaky like on a, in front of like 30 people at a wine dinner when I was describing all nine courses where the hell I made up. Just like uh, like thinking it was a big like just just talking in front like on my kitchen floor, you know, or on on the dining room floor in front of people, just all looking at you as you're like. Then for the second course, um, we'll be doing an albacore crudo and, and like getting into that. But after doing enough of those, that got easier too. I definitely remember it not being how easier old were
0: you any. when you were nervous? Pfft, Twenty-four. Yeah, well, twenty-five. Who, get, who gets that? Uh, yeah. Who who does that? And then on top of it, you in order to be comfortable speaking in front of people, you have to be very comfortable with your subject matter. Yeah. That, that's when people fall flat as they're just bullshitting. Exactly. So, they don't know what they're really talking about. <laughs> yeah, and they know it, and everybody else knows it too. <laughs> but so you had to, at an early age, uh, get comfortable with that mm-hmm. and get comfortable with your skills as right. a chef. Yeah, yeah, As a cook, you know, I don't know when you actually became a chef. Uh, probably at Tabla. At Tabla in like right? probably
3: 06, 07. Eight, probably oh eight. I always try to I always forget this stuff I'm so happy Facebook reminds me of shit these days yeah, it's really nice It's sometimes really nice it's nice, nice. I'm like that was six years ago it, it's usually it usually feels not as long and then something like two years ago feels like forever ago it's a very weird thing I've
0: noticed mm, yeah, for me everything is long I, I just double everything and that's probably how long ago it was, <laughs> yeah. but I'm a lot older than you, so you know, you're you a smart guy, so you right, understand my, my scope. that a year for me is a smaller percentage of my lifetime than it is exactly. for you, and that's why, so, um, but yeah, that, that uh, I can't tell you how many times I look at that Facebook memories thing, oh, I cannot believe, first of all, that that was a year ago, or six years ago, but if we're talking about it, you know, I started... What year do you think that we did our event at Tabla for Portland Food Adventures? Because you were one of the first chefs who did it. 08. Thank you very much. You actually called me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you're overestimating. It was earlier? No. It was
3: like 09-10. 11. No way. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, but still oh, that so seems helpful. like a long time ago.
3: 2011 was definitely a long time ago. Oh, right. Something else just happened. Like, I was looking through something and it mentioned 2011. I'm like, what was I doing? It's hard to find that. That's like, because I have, like, doing. a memory spot. But,
0: man, you were a real natural. Yeah, that was, um, that, was a,
3: that was a fun one, too. I remember that well.
0: Yeah. It wasn't even, like, the first, like, because w- we had done, like, winemaker dinners and stuff like that. Um, well, there weren't a lot of ticketed events back then. And mm-hmm. uh, I did that. It was kind of new. I couldn't start that now because there'd be so many. But the only reason I can keep doing it is because I have a format that, is a little unique. You know, chefs talking about where they like to go and where right. they like to hang out. But, um, but hey, no, man. you were the first natural. I said, I didn't know you that well and I said, this guy can, you know, I, don't, I didn't know whether to think that your skills were better cooking or as a personality. Dude, that, that's why
3: Micah hired me. <laughs> right, right there. Yeah, and that's also out.
0: why um, Racion was a great Forum for you because you were kind of it was mm-hmm. kind of theatrical, right?
3: It was It was definitely part performance, part sushi bar. Um, hey, that's like the first pop-up. So when we think about how pop-ups have been around for a right. long time, right? There was only like two others before we started doing Racion pop ups. I'm not kidding. It, it was it was kind of, it's kind of weird to go back through that. Like we think of pop-ups as very ubiquitous now. It's relatively new in like the restaurant world, especially a pop-up. That pops up and then becomes a real restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like people don't do that. They they did it after,
0: but that would that no one's done that. No one was doing well, this. Well, they like... did food carts to restaurants, right? But yeah, no. That was what uh, were the other two pop ups that uh, you can remember? Uh,
3: so, um, and it's okay if you hold stand. fast. Oh yeah. Um, and not even Nomad yet. Nomad wasn't around until after and opened. Yeah, they were after. Yeah. Russian. Holdfast is the one I could think of. And then there was like, there's like OG ones. Like, like Ken was doing, uh, so Ken's used to have Ken's home plate on Hawthorne. It was like oh, a Ken, breakfast, lunch. Ken f- Forkish. No. No. Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Okay. And he was doing, so Rodney was popping up. You got to use last names because we can't assume that everybody right. knows who everybody is. So Rodney from Podna's Barbecue was doing his Texas style barbecue there. So mm-hmm. that was a pop up that I can remember. And I don't remember that one. Yeah. I forget what it was called, but it was kind of cool. Um but like look at like Maya just did Maya Loveless did all oh, her yeah, stuff for, for Yonder and, and May. So that's an example of a pop up happening so many times, gaining the real reason we did it was to gain feedback on what people want and don't want from us and as well as um um, kind of gets getting an email list, getting regulars already. Like if you can go off, you know, start from zero day one of, of your official restaurant opening and you're booked because you've been doing it for the last four months. That's a really smart move because you have all their emails. Now they, they're they on your special list.
0: Were you already uh, in the chef's table stable at that point in time? Or was that you doing that? Did you do Rossi on your own and then you hooked up with Kurt?
3: No, no. Huh. I, I left Tabla and I got a phone call like, Oh, it was like two hours ago from, from Carrie Welsh, who was our PR at the time at Tabla. She's like, Hey, just heard you left. Congrats or however you're feeling. Also, I gave your number to Kurt Huffman and I was like, Oh, I've met him once or twice. I I want to say that Adam Berger from Tabla was trying to, they're negotiating something. They're thinking about seeing if they want to go bring Tabla in that group and it might have something to do with 24th and meatballs concept as well right. to be like a chef's table idea or collaboration. Um, so then Kurt calls me like three hours later and asked me to come and fix Corazon. So I was at Corazon for that one month. They like tried to limp that was a sink. small job. It was the silliest thing ever.
0: <laughs> well, it took a lot of fixing because it took Lardo going in there and you know, it was. Oh yeah. I mean, you,
3: you, you don't like, it, it's not ideal to have a two and a half million dollar build out and then your chef just doesn't show up forever and just is done with the whole thing putting that much work into some place and then having someone walk away is was was pretty shocking i I, I can't think it's ever happened before like that i
0: didn't even know that was the story i thought it was just difficult and uh, it wasn't going to make it 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 was was, it was a
3: disaster from minute one um service wise and like the scope of it and really the 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 concept was sound the execution wasn't but it was beautiful, so they tried to see if they could get it off the ground. We got cost. Me and Roscoe Roberson did a great job getting it whoa down. Like we took half the menu away, remove this, remove this, and we did pretty well for that first month. Uh, but then Kurt was just like, "You guys really want to do this?" And we're both like, "No, this isn't fun." At like. What am I doing? Fancy Mexican food? Oh, downtown that was before
0: for? he he decided. Well, let's give Lardo a shot there. I mm-hmm. forgot that you were. At, that was actually open for a little while. For mm-hmm. like what a month? You just. Said?
3: I was there a month. It was open. I want to say three total months.
0: Hmm.
3: I think three was the number. Maybe less. Met a lot of cool people from that though. We had we had a pretty cool staff of. I'm, greats that have gone on to do great things
0: yeah well same thing happened at nostrana too Mm -hmm. so and you're you just pointed out not to go back there but you just pointed out why because you had to do a lot of things as you know a young guy at nostrana you were taught a lot of different aspects of the business
3: Mm -hmm. yeah that that wine service and you know taking care of a customer right in front of you, c- like keeping that like casual convo if they want it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like the Uber driver scenario, right? Like sometimes I like chatting with my Uber driver. Sometimes I don't, mm-hmm. but like, and I actually drove for Uber for a few months cause it was fun. Um, uh, oh,
0: you'd be great. For, it was cool for Uber. Like uh, I did
3: Friday and Saturday nights. I mostly brought drunk people from one place to other or from one place to home. Um, got tipped in weed uh played my own music had either people chatting people not chatting only had one bar for and it was outside my window and they were really sad about it and it was okay but one that was pretty good for 5 months of that it was like during the winter so it was it was pretty exciting i thought i just got a like a nice new car for it and it was a dream to drive around my subaru cross track in the snow it was awesome
0: and you know your way around the city
3: yeah yeah and and I'm i learned, surprised I, learned I learned how this. many
0: uber drivers don't know their way around
3: well that's like a cabbie thing it's always like the way it happens but i did learn some some tricks around town but yeah it's that idea of like if this person this customer wants to talk to you you better be able to like entertain slightly Mm -hmm. um and if they don't awesome just get to work either way
0: but you know an astronaut i just was there last week it's still solid Mm -hmm. i mean it's hard for a restaurant to be around that long. So what are we, um, 14 years now, maybe? Oh, I want to say it was 2004, yeah, when yeah, they opened it. Yeah, four or five, so it's hard for it to be solid. And unfortunately, in this town, everybody's looking for the next shiny new thing.
3: Yeah, it's that, Um, what's the term for electronics when they're built to not last? Uh, planned obsolescence. Yeah, so it's like the the years a restaurant can like theoretically survive, I feel, is just getting crunched more unless it's so universally accepted or like a franchisable concept where you can have multiple of them because you're one cool little restaurant. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think it really comes down to like owning the building. Like, Look at Geno's or something like that. Mark hasn't had to worry about anything ever. He owns a building.
0: It's cool. Plus, that's rent's not, done. That, and that is not, he's doing well, I assume, and it's not in the eater conversation ever. And, you know, we tend to look at those are the places that, because of that press, get more people. But it's not necessarily the case. There are a lot a- of neighborhood places mm. in Portland do yeah, well.
3: Yeah, the flavor of the month thing, uh, that's actually kind of why I burned out on cooking for a while. I still kind of am. Like, there's, there's certain—I I like this job for Little Bean because it's not, like, a chef job. It's, like, manage all this stuff and be really, like, figure out how to promote and— So there's like marketing in it, there's like serious general managing, there's um, schedule, not my worker schedule, but like any event, because people love to have ice cream to go to their events. So I had to get pretty serious about like, this is my calendar, this is what what people want, here's the prices, a lot of emails. But it's fun, because I already kind of do that organize of an event thing, I've done it for years. I mean, with my Dungeons and Dragons pop up to just running a restaurant or getting ready for Valentine's Day, that kind of like planning, never had any problem with that and, and this is like even more like that um but when you have a restaurant that has to it's hard to be like new and fresh right because you're going to fall off the radar pretty quick so those like like stalwart neighborhood joints some of my favorite places to this day to still go to like i had lunch at gino's like a year ago because i was in selwood it was awesome they had lunch I enjoyed it.
0: It was when I was, at, was opening Bible Club down there, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, was is absolutely one of my favorite. I haven't been in a while, but when you were there, I just I went and it was like the the Second Coming. I can name a few places: Bible Club, really special, Proud Mary. Mm-hmm. You know those types of places that are very different than anything else, and that like this. You step back and think, "Wow, I haven't had anything like this."
3: Yeah, it's a little bit of an eff- like uh, it's i was gonna say epcot center because i always think of that as like as those little sections of like this is germany town and here's like you know france uh but it definitely it definitely encompasses like everything you go in there and you are on a ride um new owners of course now so i have no idea what's going on At there Bible club oh yeah they sold to the pdx slider people
0: oh mm-hmm. i didn't realize that
1: Let's pause here for a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse, which is freshly. What do we call this, Chris?
0: Freshly remodeled. I would I would say you'd be safe in calling it a remodel. Yeah. And and a little bit of a a little bit of, uh, let's call it enhanced, remodeled and enhanced. Love it. And by enhanced, I'm referring to the menu. So um, they have some new dishes on the menu uh that are pretty great i had their crispy octopus the other day Yeah, this is the crispy
1: spanish octopus on the uh starters menu
0: yeah exactly and it's also happens to be on the bar menu and so one of the things if anybody is familiar with ringside happy hour which occurs after nine thirty p.m and on sundays from four to um, five Yeah, Sundays from 4 to 5. Ringside's well known for having, at those hours, one of the best happy hours you can find on the planet. But they... They've always had a happy hour menu with some great bites priced between like three fifty and six dollars. You can get a hamburger, you can get steak bites, which are everybody knows are fantastic. But they've now taken the bar menu, and during those hours, you can get half price on those that crispy Spanish octopus. You can get the enemy's steak tartar, uh, jumbo shrimp cocktail, anything on the bar menu, half price. During happy hour. So, in addition to some new items on their menu, the entrees, check that out. We're not going to read them all out. You just need to go to ringside and check those out yourself.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and part of the uh, enhancement that we were talking about, the
0: sunken bar is now expanded. Right. So, it used to be that just Jimmy could fit back there. And everybody knows Jimmy. But now mm-hmm. Jimmy and Andy, whom I met at Fish House and now is over at Ringside Steakhouse. So, two... Two, they they can fit two people back there. Your drinks come up faster and it's twice as cordial as it was before.
1: Very nice. Now, with all these enhancements and the remodel, there are some of those things that you love. They're still there. Monday is Prime Night and they have their three-course supper specials. So, the things you love still there and then now more things for you to love.
0: Right. And so, Ringside, it's a classic in Portland for now 75 years. The Peterson family has owned it. So, um, you know, Portland's all about the next shiniest thing but i would li- i like to believe that the restaurants that have stood the test of time are those that should be visited and on the top of everybody's restaurant bucket list ringside steakhouse should be right there that's right and
1: it's easy to set up reservations you just go to their website ringsidesteakhouse.com hey chris we should also uh, quickly mention here you've got some pfa events coming up that are- uh, people of course, need to check
0: out. Because it's a public service announcement yep. to know about these. Really quickly, if you go back to last week's episode with Nicholas Van Eck mm-hmm. of Arezzo, we have a very small, intimate uh, PFA on September 11th, 2019. If you're listening to this in 2036, if we're still going. Right, no, that's important. And you'll know that. Thank you. Um, but uh, doing wonderful, sustainable seafood in mm-hmm. uh, a few courses for less than their... If you add the courses in and the fact that you're getting um, gift value to Scotch Lodge and St. Jack, it's a pretty awesome event. I think we by the time this comes out, we'll have a couple of seats left, so jump on that. And then what I'm really excited about is we are doing a Wildwood reunion of Ooh, sorts at nice. Stone Soup, which is where Scott Dolich is now, and right. it was his idea. Let's bring a few folks from Wildwood in, and so... Uh, Corey Schreiber, right? We have another episode with him, yeah. who he was the wild, you know, he owned Wildwood for years, mm-hmm. um, is coming in, and Kena Flug, another episode with hi, with her, one
1: of the They're one a, of the original ones, right, yeah.
0: in the front of the house, uh, who was the last owner of Wildwood, yeah, um, and also uh, Ryan Senke. I think I pronounced his name wrong on the podcast. Actually, no. I always thought it was there was another S in there, right. Um, who owns Aria Gin now, who ran the bar right. at Wildwood, too. So that's at Stone Soup, October 25th. It's a really cool uh, night, and we have lots of room there. Um, Portland Food Adventures there, and you find it on the, both Arizzo and Stone Soup on the Portland Food Adventures website, PortlandFoodAdventures.com.
1: And click come, on the Dinners
0: tab. Right. Come see us. Thank you for knowing that, yep. for it. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. So, what was it like working with Rick?
3: Rick's fun, man. Yeah, Uh, it's it's all about his crazy stories, and that's the first. Is it the first? First guy I've ever worked for that had no idea what he was doing in the restaurant business.
0: But he really knew how to do make some awesome rings, and uh, you know, Rick Maverick. So you can look what's the name of that company that people should look it up because it's pretty cool.
3: Oh my God! Why am I spacing on it? It is pretty cool. Uh, he makes the, the the best looking zippo lighter covers I've ever seen, and right. these awesome skull rings
0: and he's the one who designed bible club he brought that he brought that bar in from what Indiana mm-hmm. I think it was mm-hmm. it was i mean just the the aesthetic of that oh. and the vibe there was like nothing else you're going to get, and I'm sad to hear they sold it. I hope that the people who bought it can keep up the I don't think they're mm-hmm.
3: going to change anything like they why would you put change a sign that up yet. no no and i think it's it should be fine i have no idea um like all the bar staff that i i had hired there so that was the first example also bible club was of hiring a complete staff myself front and back of house normally i would have had you know when i opened ross Hillen, it was like me and two other people and we just worked the whole time we're closed two days a week this was like open every day get ready, like, we have need opening and closing bar staff, we need busser. so we had to put an entire crew together for that little that little house. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty wild experience, I gotta
0: say. Yeah, it did, and it it seemed like it came out of nowhere. I mean, I don't know, I can't t- talk to everybody else's experience, but for me, it's like, wow, oh, there's this place, and Anthony's down there. You know, the last few years, since Rossian closed, I just, you, you pop up here and there, oh, yeah. that's what he's doing.
3: So I kind of like, the, the idea, and that's kind of where just keeping up with restaurant stuff. And like, I just don't go out anymore. I don't feel like it. Um, so I kind of fell out of like, like the food world. Cause I got too much, you know, like when, when you must be on top of it or, um, no one's going to come. And then the other part was, so let's not forget like social media was a new thing. I remember when Instagram came out because, um, uh, i was told about it from i want to say i forgot her uh i was told about it as a way to use to post on twitter and facebook at the same time like when instagram was first and like came out f- at least and i was at tabla and i was talking oh, a while to ago. a friend and she was like oh yeah just like this new thing instagram you link your your twitter and your facebook to it and you just click the button and it goes to all three and it wasn't like Instagram story, like none of that exists at all.
0: I got, I've hit that, speaking of that memories function on Facebook, I saw a post recently where I was bitching about Instagram. I hope this, I hope it's not the next thing because I don't like it. And now I love it. But
3: Yeah, so it was originally just like a tool to like uh, hit multiple um, social media platforms and it's since grown into a completely different way of life. But influencers weren't a thing back then not in like 08, 09. like not, not, not in Portland. Maybe I could be wrong, but it was, you had to be all restaurant had to worry about was like getting a good early write-up, uh, getting those photos in there. Just, just that one time from the one local, you know, uh, uh, um, newspaper um, and just putting out a solid product. Like you could just open your restaurant. Doors are open, grand opening. The neighborhood knows about it. Now it's like, you have to have a budget for a social media person right. like you must, or you will not succeed. No one will know who you are like Yelp was still relatively young ish when I was at Tabla for instance. And that was like a serious thing, you know, um, back in the day, like I always think about like Paley, like, or, or like, um, oh, like yeah. John Gorham was first, right. Like just, the they 90s. just had a restaurant. It right. was people came here for dinner done. How simple is that? You know, don't have to worry about anything. Like they did like three events a year. Yeah. IPNC. And and like, John's not,
0: John's been on and off Facebook for years. He's off now. Oh yeah. You can't find him there. So he's operating a lot of great restaurants without himself having to. Right. Put things out there.
3: But, but imagine just being able to like flip the, the sign to open. And that's all he had to do in preparation of your restaurant opening instead of, well,
0: hope you can get some, you had to get some reviews.
3: Right. Or or you had to do something, but it wasn't like this full on, like, let's videotape my entire restaurant being built over a year and like how interactive people have to make it to make it interesting. So just going back to like the neighborhood gem thing, I think that's really special. And and I hope Portland can hold on to that because I've been here since 2000 and it's cool to see spots that are still there. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see the new spots too,
0: but. Yeah, but I've, I've always thought, you know, I'm doing events. I've, Every time I try to go back to some of the old spots and think this is the place that needs to be highlighted, it's a harder sell. People, oh, for sure. People will go, you know, to the the new the new spot that they haven't been to yet, or um, yeah, it's it's an interesting world. So, how did you get hooked up? Did I'm going to guess, and I could be wrong, and my guess doesn't matter. But the, did you meet Micah uh, when you were over on when you had Racion, and he he was. Had he gone in with Blue Star over there yet?
3: Blue Star was open before Racion was. Okay. Micah lived in the building, so I saw him five times a day, leaving and coming back. Okay. But I've known Micah for a long time. I I want to say we did an event together. I could be wrong. Um, like when he was at Yakuza, like the first first. Um, and that's, you know, and I don't know where where the where the where that really like where we cross our paths more than once he came to corazon a few times and was all excited about he was the guy well he he was one of of a few people that would come in and be like this is really good we should hang out sometime Mm -hmm. and then i opened Racion, and he lived a building so he'd pop in and ask us bizarro questions and then just leave and it was like ah micah just came by and he'd be like all right do you guys do you guys like hot dogs sure, because when you walked in Rossi, <laughs> you had to go a few steps down, and then, because we'd be prepping away, just me and, me and, like, Roscoe or Tony Wilkie would just be prepping away quiet, and he's would like, open the door, ask a few questions, like, yeah, we like hot dogs, like, cool, word, and, like, leave, I'm like, what is he talking about? And then, like, a month later, he's like, what do you think about that? Do you like toasted buns or not? For your hot dogs, like, toasted if you can, and then Hop Dog opens, like, two, two months later down the street where Bamboo Sushi's, um, where that quick fish is on, mm-hmm. on, uh, on Stark. So he was bouncing ideas off, and he came in for a lot. But
0: that's so minimal, the idea. He didn't oh, want to go very far with it. He didn't want just, to tell us do all Do you secrets? like hot
3: dogs? Uh, do you remember? Like, sure. He's like, <laughs> Well, what difference does that make cool. that you just like them? Because uh, like, that, that was like the year hot dogs were a thing. Um,
0: oh, right. There were a few places. Right. There was that guy who invested a ton right across from the food cart pods. I don't remember what the name of it was, but uh, on, on Alder.
3: Oh, I know where you're talking about. It's uh it was huge. Sparky no. Spankies or something S- yeah. like that. my friend Neil Thompson that owns uh Park Avenue Wines hits that place for a dogs. Well, it's dog. closed
0: now. The hot well, dog place is was kind There of, it
3: goes. Yeah. Um but uh so yeah, so he would ask these interesting questions. He'd come in for dinner a bunch too. Um usually he'd also have meetings. Like he was working on new blue star stuff. I'm sure this was around the time that uh, little big burger was in negotiations to sell that kind of thing. So he kind of uses as, as a little bit of an office, which was nice. Um, cause he's like polite enough, he, you know, he knows how to treat a server and things like that. It was nice. Um, and he fell in love with some of these veggie based ice creams I was doing for my, my one dessert at the, you know, on the prefix menu. And, um, he'll say to this day how much he loves that. I, I made like a celery ice cream. Pretty straightforward juicing of celery and I had to use like we didn't have an ice cream machine or anything so I'd make like a kind of a unique base and we would make ice cream in the in the robo, in the Cuisinart in the food processor like you fill up a little bit and you start throwing dry ice in there and it cools it down and it carbonates it the carbonation goes away in a few days it's a way to make ice cream for like five dollars at home that's awesome it makes a great it makes a great product so we'd make all this ice cream you love the this these ice creams we did we did a beet one we did celery root we did celery itself we did parsnip like we were kind of messing with like the sweet uh root veggies that have a lot of sugar in them mm-hmm. you know like when you have a roasted rutabaga it's it's like candy like it'll burn because of sugar mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so he loved that so originally he had this idea he was like hey anthony we should do um a veggie based ice cream um like healthy ice cream as a concept like perfect for yoga yoga moms you know, open one in Miami. I'm like, this sounds great. So after I closed Racion, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, you want to start working on that idea we talked about a long time ago? I said, sure. So I got to work up in his penthouse for like two to three months, like a couple of days a week, just like his his home kitchen, just putting as many things together, R&D. And this is the first example of research and development without, that. that was like without anyone around um or like with and with one or two people judging it and that's it. As opposed as 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 opposed to when we did Roccion pop ups, for instance, like we were doing like two dinners a week. We did fourteen or sixteen dinners and we changed the menu every week and we had, you know, forty people to tell us what they thought. Comment cards, all kinds of stuff. So that was like that was and like and a living
0: coming in too. And that
3: was like the that was a good that that was part of the point, right? And it's really to start tart, you know, accumulating Like a core foodie moneyed group that like do this or so they can say to their friends like I went to this private pop up last week and it was just wonderful. How
0: much were those pop? How much did you charge? Oh, that's the other
3: thing. We played with pricing on them. Like we did some sixty dollar ones, we had some forty dollar ones, you know, we did wine pairing or not. I mean they were they were
0: That's not expensive by today's standards.
3: Dude, Roscion was fifty five dollars for five courses. Mm. It's not expensive at all we always knew if someone that was at the kitchen bar or in the restaurant in general when they were like mm, i don't know it's, it's a little expensive i'd be like so what neighborhood of portland are you from as opposed to the people like this is amazing I'm like oh where'd you fly in from you could just tell it was portland people they'd cry about 55 five dollar totally awesome meal and then anyone from like san diego or la or san francisco or seattle was like had their minds blown i thought it was like amazingly cheap that was the thing, like, how oh, can you charge? This isn't even enough money to do anything. I'm like, oh, you're not from here,
0: are you? Well, maybe it was before its time, too, because now with all the hotels going in and uh, all, yeah, we're becoming a larger to tourist be, food
3: t- town. 100%. To be honest, Racion would have been fine, like, on the east side. Mm-hmm. Um, Think about how well Farm Spirit's done with such a unique concept, too. Right. Something that size would yeah. have been perfect, Um. Downtown didn't work. Having like not really an official entrance to a lobby didn't work. Few things didn't work about it.
0: It's interesting how quirky everything could be because mm-hmm. you would think if you're just doing a good thing. So I've never understood the neighborhood concept that well because I always had to drive. I either lived in Southwest or Manzanita, I have to drive somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I never understood that. And I thought if it's good, it should stand up. But the, you know, a few blocks can make a difference oh. for a restaurant in a city. Yeah, Chris. Downtown sucks.
3: No one, it's not fun. It's hard to get around. It's hard to park. Like, I'm sorry, like Portland's downtown's, like, it's just getting rougher and rougher and weirder and weirder and hard to get to. So people don't, I, I've, I, I mean, again, like people have to drive to Little Bean to have their cool, you know, chickpea, uh, dairy-free ice cream experience. And they do. Um, But like the, the neighborhood idea, it's just, it's just way more of an Eastside side concepts
0: right well there's and you don't pay for parking over there that's one thing makes it a little harder in places to find parking right Yeah, i just drove up to i was thinking today every time we record this podcast i can drive right in front of the building and park for an hour that's pretty easy i got i had to
3: take two detours because they decided to close (laughs) one block of road just to get here it was weird so like stuff like that i think that comes up but with the with more hotels more on that yeah like rossian would have worked in an interesting way as like a side to another thing like the abigail hall to the bullard like we could have done like this like you could have put us in a pocket and it would have been good or like
0: how um i also think if you were opening up you know after the ritz opens up as as kind of a timeline mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. could open up now and do and it's a different market look at all the hotels down there now know, that weren't there three years ago but Well, after the Ritz opens up, that's going to be a whole, I'm curious to see if that's going to fill. But anyway, let's talk a little bit more about Little Bean. Right. And and so for the uninitiated, talk about, you know, give the elevator speech on what Little Bean is and why people should visit and uh, what you've been doing down there. Sure. Uh, So Little Bean is the world's first chickpea-based ice cream.
3: Um, We also are a gluten-free bakery. Um, We are allergen-free, so talking no soy, no nuts. No um, gluten, um, no dairy. Uh, the idea is to make something so accessible out of a cheap, locally sourced product that's unique. So there's a few things going on with Little Bean. It's a dairy-free ice cream shop. It is a gluten-free bakery and pastry shop. It's a cafe. And these are important because we, we really pushed, um, the idea of chickpea ice cream was weird enough that we focus and focus and focus. We guerrilla marketed the hell out of it last year, all summer long, free, free, free everywhere. You couldn't go to a street market or something food-esque related or a block party and not see our cart there, just free samples all day long, just trying to get the name out there. And that was really important for us to do. Um, What we didn't do is talk as much about the fact that I was brought in not to do the ice cream part, but to do all the pastry and like all the gluten-free part and also just kind of be like like the face of it a bit.
0: And when did you start to have interest in that? And is it something you, you practice? No, uh,
3: no, so that's the thing. Like <laughs> I, like I've always done, I've no, I'm like trained chef, trained cook, not like amateur um, um, pastry chef, but I always had to do my own desserts. So it's not like a, I have no idea how to do this. And I love making dessert and I'm not bad at it, right? So- like, I can't bake bread to save my life. I don't know why. Yeast doesn't like me or something. But doing pastry stuff was fun. And we made some of the, one of my favorite dishes at Racion for two and a half years were, like, the desserts. We made very interesting desserts. A little molecular gastronomy in there. But then a little, like, this is just a good, like, people like mint granita. Like, this, this is good. It's Yeah, it's just frozen sweet, sweet ice. Great. So we we'd play with that a bit. But making desserts has always been a thing. To the point where I even have, there's a few items on Little Bean's, In our, our, you know, our pastry case that are versions of they're gluten free and vegan versions of stuff I've been making for years at various restaurants I've I've run. So it was kind of cool to like I had to pull my some of the older books out to be like that olive oil cake was good. Let me see if I can make it gluten free. And it took you know two weeks to figure out how to make it gluten free and vegan. If
0: you put them side by side, would would the would the layperson be able to tell?
3: Uh, maybe not. That, that that was a good one. That that's a good full translation. And it, it was tricky. So for the uh, all last summer, so I was at Pizzeria Sulago down Lake Oswego, six-month contract, just getting it open. So that was when I was doing that open stuff, consult stuff. Mm-hmm. And Micah reached out to me again, because I hadn't talked to him in like half a year. He's like, all right, we're going for a little bean. I want you to start um, R&D for all pastry stuff. Um, when can you start? And yeah, it was like uh, end of July. And I just went from there. And that was an example of like making tons of little versions of the same thing. Um, and having like him and Morgan Browno like decide if they, which, which more direction to go in like a true R and D by myself, a lot of the time in this, in this production kitchen, um, near stack sandwiches, uh, just, I'm going to make this cake for a week. Just keep on making the same cake, change a little bit because translating gluten-free stuff is not easy. Gluten-free does not scale like normal bakery scaling does, it simply doesn't. Um, And then going into like the whole non-dairy part of it too is like yet another wrench, and then on top of that, and this is something I always stress when I talk about um, like our pastry work at Little Bean, we can't even use coconut or cashews. Like not only are we limited because we're going gluten-free, but the normal things that make gluten-free or vegan baking um, really good, we kind of don't have access to those items either. Right? Like, we don't even have coconut, and that's a huge ingredient, very important. So, it was a double challenge, not only to go gluten free vegan, but with even less ingredients at our disposal.
0: And so, did you have anything to do with the ice cream?
3: Uh, I have made a few of mine. Oh, no, it, the ice cream. So, all summer, me and Morgan made ice cream for all these events. And every time we we, would do another batch, we were adjusting things like how long we want to grind and how many more days do you want to soak this? Let's give this a shot. So we were experiment. We were tweaking it the entire time, like how much, you know, fat we need to add to this. And like, how should we really melt our sugar into the base? You know, that kind of stuff. So we we were tweaking on a weekly basis. Um, And at some point he nailed like this pretty straightforward um, kind of ratio of like, Mi- items to mix in for a f- like how to add the flavor to it so once you get the we, we soak the chickpeas um, five days then we go they go through kind of a two two part grind process to get them really fine to get like this this milkshake with water then hydraulic press it out and we get the pulp from that and it stays in the bag and that was our egg replacer for our cookies which are like a really big deal they're very good they're very vegan uh, they're very healthy cookies um, so that was a good way to use some, some of our some of our you know um, our trim product, our spare product, into another to make something else out of it. Um, and then you have what really is just like proteiny fiber milk. You know, it's just like anything else, any almond, soy. They all are really resemble the same thing. Um, but we figured out how to. Hey, I want to make a blackberry one or a blueberry one. Like, how many containers of puree per this? And we uh, and we layered a lot. So, and this is something that uh, I always have done, but Morgan really knows how to do it. Um, if something's got like a strawberry flavor, like strawberry puree, a different strawberry puree that has a better color, uh, like you know, like a freeze dried ingredient, like strawberry powder or something like that to add to it and then put a little like liqueur in there, like a strawberry, like you can layer it with the same flavor and it improves a lot of things Um, and it makes it more dynamic and unique so we there's never like, doing a flavor, we don't just have like, here's the one flavor ingredient, pop. there's like a few of the same thing that go in that kind of help echo and elongate extend like the flavor experience so that you it hits you in a few spots on your in your mouth in your palate right so you really get the flavor like wow that's really strawberry like in a few different ways and that's always been like uh, like the the point like really get that flavor to hit home and that's why, like all the signatures that we started with, we still run. They're awesome, great, perfect recipes. I mean, it's all. It, it took a while, right? Like we had to.
0: I can't imagine it was right off the bat. And then I wonder about the feedback. Who who's giving you the feedback? You know, you probably had chef friends who started out, but then you got consumers. That's mm-hmm. a different whole different ball game. And then you have you have different markets. So you have vegan market. And then I'm sure you're trying to get people like me who need to eat more vegan. I absolutely, you know, think about it a lot. Mm. If not living the lifestyle, at least incorporating that more into uh, a diet as you get older and mm-hmm. have heart problems and those sorts of things. So where how did you how do you get all did you and how do you continue to use customer feedback to do you tweak it or do, you know, let, let me put it this. Let me put it this way. Sorry to keep talking, but the three of you, Micah, Morgan, and you, you're pretty strong guys. You're pretty strong personalities. So you got three, not laid-back guys doing this, and you have to be fairly humble to be able to take someone's enough feedback to make some changes. Is Absolutely. That-
3: yeah, yeah, and it, and it happened the all all summer long. Like not only their feedbacks, but we we worked on. It it was a, it was pretty, um, even, uh, I had like a whole bunch of things to just come up with. So I, I received a lot of feedback from them pretty constantly because Micah had a vision and I I would do an idea of his for a week and then we decide we just nah, like, or like it simply cannot work. Like simply cannot create this pastry with these ingredients. Sorry, it can't happen. So you know, I'd I'd bang my head against it for a week, and then we'd abandon it, or I'd come up with like another version of it that actually did work, or something like that. Um, so working with those, yeah, strong personalities, strong visions, right, and like the way that we do things is a hundred percent different from each of us. Like we don't do stuff the same at all. Um, there's a lot of respect there, though. Um, and I think that that's really important. Um, me and Morgan had a pretty good time just hanging out in this commissary kitchen ourselves doing our thing and he had a lot of other stuff to do with it as well like he was had to half build an ice cream cart we got we had to buy a lot of tools like we had to kind of create this thing because again it'd be one thing if we were starting like a poke shop or something no one's made chickpea ice cream anymore ever like it doesn't we don't have nothing to bounce it against really even like the idea like a chickpea is a bean just like a soybean is like the idea makes sense when you explain it to people like weird chickpeas like is it any weirder than soy milk? Right. Like, oh, no. I'm like, think of how hard and, soy milk must, had, must have had to work back in the 80s to like, be
0: on a shelf. And somehow, all of a sudden, that became uh, accepted. Uh, I, mean, I You know, I don't remember the first time someone said, here's some almond milk. But now, you don't even think twice when you see it. Or, you know, they'll ask at every coffee shop what kind of milk you want. That right. Did, that didn't, right. That, that didn't wasn't happen. the case 10, years, 10 plus years ago, I don't think.
3: Absolutely not. Um, you know, I remember rice milk in like
0: late 90s um well you do because you're in a cook you know a chef or cook you were into food but i think you would have noticed that before most people would have
3: maybe yeah i mean and i this is like growing up on the east coast i was near woods like you had to drive to woodstock new york to go to the Hell food store 45 minutes away that was the 80s and the 90s Mm -hmm. um so the thing with the chickpea though is where did you grow up by the way upstate new york Whereabouts? Pine Plains, Dutchess County.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right.
3: We're only like two and a half hours north of the city by train. Right. Um, like Hudson River is right there, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty farm area. farm. It looks I, like McMinnville. Far
3: from you. So. Yeah, like like my town looks like McMinnville.
0: Hmm.
3: McMinnville has one more light than I do.
0: Well, you don't know that uh, now. Might have changed.
3: Oh no, <laughs> it's the same Pine Plains. It's the same town. I was there I a year never, ago. That's
0: funny. I grew up in you know Fairfield County. I'd never. Never heard of pine. Plants. It wouldn't really
3: be on a blip, really, you know. Um, so, so the so the the fun part about the chickpea part was, let's. Uh, very few people are allergic to it, so that's a big thing, and we can get chickpeas from Washington State. So we're getting like local, non-GMO, you know, traceable item as opposed to like the evil soybean and like the vilified almond, like things right. like that. So we we so picked like this very simple drought crop not expensive to grow doesn't eat up resources from up the street kind of thing and we kind of went from there on it um and we did some kind of wild experiments we did we did some interesting stuff we got like have you ever seen like a sonic they're like sonic liquid tubs that clean tools and and like car parts just by using sonic waves to like Mm -hmm. break up stuff we were trying to like get rid of like like the beanie flavor by like basically like sonically zapping chickpeas before we soaked them we did some fun stuff just kind of figure it all out and you know there's a few secrets in there to what we do but once you get past the like you blend it and then you strain it that's how you do almond milk or any other cashew stuff like yeah yeah it is Mm -hmm. it ended up being not as crazy complicated let's just use really nice refinement techniques and like stay on it, and we'll get a really consistent product. You know.
0: Have you heard of anybody else who saw that idea and said, "Hey, let's give that a shot"? Has that happened yet? It's going to happen at some point. There,
3: I I know there is a chickpea milk for uh, like coffee from Canada, and it's gross because we try to do it too, and it wasn't it wasn't perfect. Like there is, there's only so much, you know. And like now, now we're like this town's an oat milk town at this point, so. We're just going to kind of roll with that one. Um, And we have a few other concept stuff, kind of other products that we're going to be like launching on a more national scale pretty soon, too. So that was the other thing, like, Little Bean's not just about its one shop in, in Portland. It's about like the idea of doing something inventive and new and good for you. I
0: don't think that anything that Micah gets involved with, that's his goal is to just feed the neighborhood. That's how we started.
3: Well oh yeah, for sure. Although uh Little Bean to my, to to my understanding, will that will be the only one in Portland. This is not a franchise thing. Oh, okay. Um the the, the direction we would like to go is more into the retail. Getting that uh, you know, chi- uh, dairy free chickpea based ice cream to like a Whole Foods in Texas is a goal. You know, like that's avoid
0: labor. That's good. The, yeah. The big- and, um, and there's
3: not that many good dairy-free ice creams out there. That's the other thing. That was, like, the other part of, of, like, Micah's pitch was I was trying to eat healthy, and it wasn't very good, so I thought I could make a better ice cream
0: than yeah, what's out did, there. Well, he introduced it on this show. I don't know if you listened to that, but he went through the whole thing. What were you talking with him on that one about? What was it? Little Bean. He brought it. He was, it was the first time he announced it to the public was here. Oh, nice. And we didn't know that was happening. He what said, did you
3: bring him in to talk about, though?
0: initially uh, uh super deluxe okay cool that's i nice. mean just a little bit of sure. everything we, we had had mike on before and he's always fun to talk about so mm-hmm. he came in he brought ice cream and i said when are you gonna when are you gonna announce this when are you gonna launch it and he said i'm doing or when did you and he said i'm doing it right now so mm-hmm. that was kind of cool and it's a good episode to listen court and i will uh reference the number it was about a year ago right mm-hmm um, the number so that people can listen to that too, as well as this. Um, do you, so the, uh, ideas to go national, is that starting, is that happening now?
3: Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's our direction right now. We well, to, I
0: mean, do you have, do you have distribution where you want it? Has uh, that started yet?
3: Um uh, Boss just got back from LA to talk about all this stuff, so I, I'm only so much up to date on things like this, right? Which and is I, fine. I like to keep it that way. Yeah, and so I just run a I just run an ice cream shop and bakery in the Pearl. That's all I get to do. You, that's it's it. fine with me.
0: Yeah, but there's lot, there's lots of growth opportunity there. Oh, for how sure. How much? How much? You know, Micah sold little little uh, big burger, made some money. So how much? Um, how how much easier was it to develop all this because there were some resources right there and you didn't have to go out and get? Uh, I know he has investors, I'm sure, but it was easier for someone with money, with resources, to go get more resources. That's mm-hmm. the way. That's it the way works. It works. So how did uh, how significant was that
3: in very, the development? Very. Um, so there is a good amount of investors on this one. Some. Uh, a good amount of them I have met or have come through and done their tasting because the Little Bean is not just a shop in Portland. Little Bean will be like a health food revolution started by the humble chickpea. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the, the big the big picture. Um, and I've never really been a part of a big picture concept, so this is exciting for me and it's really interesting for me and I like it because yeah, in the end, it doesn't. We have a shop in the Pearl. That's not the point. That's a flagship. That's like that's like the oh, I went to the first original Starbucks kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's kind of smart and and really unique where that's the plan is to just have the one but have this product that everyone else knows about around the country kind of thing. Just like how Ben & Jerry's, you can go to Burlington, Vermont and go to the original Ben & Jerry's. Like, that's unique. I'm Mm -hmm. sure it does, like, it doesn't even need to make money kind of thing. Like, it just needs to be, like, the true representation of a brand, right? Of a look.
0: Yeah, well, I just had some friends who were... In LA and they happen to say, gee, we feel like ice cream. Where do we go? I th- first thought of Ferrell's and then I said, oh, there's a salt and straw near you. And they loved it. And I got to think of, man, I remember when I walked outside of aviary and it was just a little cart. Mm-hmm. That's all it was at one point. And now people are waiting around the block. So you will see that too, I'm sure. In some I've,
3: way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's definitely a cool future for it. I mean, I just want to make sure that people know that Little Bean's not just an ice cream spot. It's like this full-on gluten-free, dairy-free bakery. And our stuff's really good, especially as we're rolling into um, the fall and the winter. I would love to see that side of it. Like, we do awesome bread. Like, it's hard to get good gluten-free bread in this town. Like, I'd love to see that go in a really happy direction as well.
0: And I think uh, that hasn't been highlighted as much as it could because— On, on purpose. That's- yeah, okay. Yeah, it was strategic,
3: I, for sure. Okay. It was like ice cream first, ice cream. Right. But we need to have but, supporting but, cast.
0: But pastries and bread products are more universal. I would have an easier time if a doctor said to me, you have to give up ice cream or bread, and then they kind of have said that. <laughs> i got to get rid of the sugars in my life. Um, I would have a m- much easier time saying, I, okay, I'll try to get by with that ice cream. It's the bread and the pastries, those Kill me. Mm -hmm. Those are hard. So that's more universal. What are you making? That if I when I come in, I should try first, and I'll be most impressed. As far as ice, not just me, anybody, but sure, sure. Um, As far as ice cream grows, no, no, no. As far as pastry, yeah, um, we have
3: a. We're doing like a weekly cake. One of my bakers, Palmyra, she's excellent at like cake work. Um, So she puts a weekly cake out. That's awesome. We've got this very good. It is not vegan. It is dairy free though. So when we say that we really can't make a good gluten-free cake that doesn't have egg in it. Like you need that rise and that crumb and that hold. Mm -hmm. It's very tricky making a vegan gluten-free cake. Um, You can kind of do it. It still kind of tastes not, it's not perfect. Um, But like, for instance, we changed the the topping on our olive oil cake. And now it's like a a mango buttercream. That's delicious. Um, So I would try like any of the cake stuff is, is looking real nice about to put a blueberry um, coffee cake on. Is lovely.
0: Um, what about a uh, like a baguette or something oh, oh, to eat yeah. sandwiches? So we got on. a
3: couple of these too, right? So um, it's funny. We have a very popular pumpernickel that's really tasty. It's an excellent bread. Um, we cook it in a tureen terrine, terrine pan, so it's like this big long guy. Um, we're working on a zatar flatbread that will be going on very soon. Uh, we have a tomato and oregano like loaf. It's mm-hmm. like kind of red. Um, and each of these breads have different toppings on. You can come in and get toasts at Little Bean. Okay. Like, yeah, we've got a little flat top and we'll, you know, there's four toasts on the menu. So you can absolutely have lunch there and it's quite nice. Um, gonna do like a marinated tomato basil and um, we took some of our chickpea pulp and I added a few ingredients to it and it's basically like um, like a compound spread, right? It's kind of like a like a soft goat cheese spread mm-hmm. scenario. So when I need like more, I need some sticky stuff for like this marinated tomato basil thing. So that's going on in a couple of days. But, yeah, so we've got a few new things that are pretty cool. The uh, blondie and the brownie are both excellent and very different. Yeah, so. Well, it, sound good. So, you yeah. know, we
0: don't always talk about It's one of the things I generally say. We don't talk about food too much on this podcast. It's mm-hmm. about you. No. But because you're doing something very unusual, it's interesting to hear what you've got going on over there? Because mm-hmm. if it was if you were doing a restaurant, I probably wouldn't be asking. You know, I probably wouldn't say we wouldn't be speaking too long about ración when you were doing that. Right. I'd rather hear what's going on with you and what you've learned and what you're excited about. So, uh, what, uh, outside of, uh, by the way, I didn't mean to say I don't care about that. No, it's okay. I, you what I was you're just saying. saying um, but I'd like to know what do you, others other than Dungeons and Dragons. Is there What's anything your life like Chris? Now? Is there
3: anything other than Dungeons and Dragons yeah, out there? I, I've
0: I've gone my entire sixty-one years and I've never touched it. You so missed I guess out, but
3: <laughs> you know it's only like a three billion dollar a year. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I may have missed You're that.
1: It's, it's not too late for him to start That's what I'm getting at? Yeah. Um. So, so we, well, do, my we do our pop up, son.
0: You know, uh, everything. So I haven't I haven't touched much of that. Uh.
3: So speaking of that, though, um, we do a pop up uh, once or twice a month, twice in the winter, it's called Orcs, Orcs, Orcs.
0: Yes, I heard about that. And
3: it's uh, we're on our thirty fourth one next next Monday. We do it on like Mondays, and we pop up at different bars or breweries or some of our favorites to do, and we do dinner. Dessert, drinks, and D&D. Um, it's $45 right now still, and you just get to have a date night. You've never played, or you bring your kids. People have do anything they want. They bring their friends they've never played, or hardcore gamers from the 70s like love to come because it's a four-hour game. It has a beginning, middle, and end. You get served dinner and dessert, and there's cocktails and beer, and it's at a Bar. it's basically like a private buyout for a bar but it's on monday nights when it's not a bad time to be able to do that mm-hmm. we've been from wayfinder to rock bottom brewery um reverend Nat's was a fun place to do it at um but in general we're always at uh game night's lounge the board game bar on on williams which is a pretty cool place too. talk about an interesting concept like a board game bar it works they're doing great
0: so do they have backgammon there? Because that's, that's my multiple
3: game. versions of that. I'm sure they've uh, got everything they've for got over 700 titles.
0: For every hour you spent with Dungeons and Dragons, I've spent some portion of time playing online backgammon.
3: I grew up playing backgammon. My mom definitely had us learn like cribbage, all kinds of like not not just the usual checkers or chess games. We right. learned a bunch of those things. Um, so other than that, then orcs pop up, um, and we're like at the Comic Con this year. We have a live panel. Uh, gameplay, which they've never done at this Comic Con ever, to have like five people on stage playing D anD D for three hours and like entertaining the crowd for it. I'm the tavern master of this. I'm the MC. So talk about that—that that being in public and being comfortable. I'm on the floor with a wireless mic, getting crowd participation in this thing. It's on Saturday at Rose City Comic Con at 3:30. It's gonna be fun and challenging
0: that's is that the that's not the pop-up that's no but
3: that that's our our company our group is at the comic-con all weekend long okay so we have a booth and everything which is wild so
0: that sounds that i would imagine a lot of the dungeons and dragons people already know about that they would so do you get are you filled is it easy selling tickets on a monday night
3: yes we are we're booked through november i need to add dates in november and december just to have it so people at the comic-con can sign up for something because we're like we're popular now. It's kind of nice. It's, it's, we're, we're rolling into our second year.
0: And so these are not the same people you were serving at Racion. It's a completely different market. Hey, it, it's
3: interesting. So Racion had a very, very wide um, net, and if you're like, like, it's not just nerds with money. But by the way, like the whole nerds with money thing, it's it's real, and it really helped out anything cool, and, and it's helping out restaurants. Like, think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're working at. Uh, if you're getting like some fun.com pop-up, let's say you're at Squarespace or something like you might go out to dinner a little more often than you used to kind of thing. It's still not the same as what we all thought when like, when things were opening up, Rossi had just opened. We thought all the Californians from San Francisco were moving here, which they were. They would go out to dinner three times or go out to eat three times a day, just like they used to back in California. Well, the thing was they were coming up here with like young families. They're able to afford like a house, even just to rent with, like, a backyard and this concept of, like, a farmer's market on every corner. So, all these people came to Portland and we were like, oh, here it comes. Like, we're going to get a ton of money in flux. And they chilled out at home because they could finally. Mm-hmm. Like, like, winning for them wasn't like, you know, going down and hitting the street for like a snack. Winning was like having a barbecue outside because they'd never had that. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, oh my God, I don't have to go, you know, Jump on the Bart or something and and go shopping like it's. I got a New Seasons here and like a Whole Foods there and a farmers market there. And when
0: you have a family that if you're starting to raise a family, you wanna you want to stay at home. And then of course you're out. Later on, you're out. Right, about, but, but you're not going out to eat with your family in the same way mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. you were when you were before you had kids. When I you mean, had kids,
3: bars are still doing great in Portland. Like there's definitely like a weekend warrior fill going on for sure. Um but yeah, like so Nerds with Money have really helps. So yeah, like filling out a Monday Dungeons and Dragons pop up isn't hard and these people are psyched about it. It's great. Um and, and where
0: we, do we find out about that? orcs dot orcs, O-R-C-S. com. O R C S.
3: O R C S O R C S O R C S. Yeah.
0: So uh um,
3: Other than that though, Chris, uh as far as things going on, um uh yeah, it's like it's trying to make the the most out of the end of summer. Getting ready for fantasy football, drafting next week, that kind of stuff. So football's your game? It's always been my one game that I... Who's I, your team? You can't really have a team oh, anymore. you
0: should have the Jets.
3: Oh, no. It's I was, impossible, I, I grew up as a Giants kid, like okay. Phil Sims days, Bill Parcells' days. Oh, okay. Um, and 80s. my little brother was into the Bills, Thurman Thomas. Um, and then I stopped watching football for like five years when i was going to college i feel like into high school and college it was into college and it's then really i got back a into a college it. sport no no exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Reed college sport at all um but it's it, i've always liked football of course so the more i learned about it then we yeah we started playing fantasy and i will watch football all weekend long um thank you dnd or uh, nfl reddit streams you can watch any game you want just stream it off of reddit it's wonderful mm-hmm. um but yeah, we kind of got into it. So that, that is one of the things I'm I do for sure is give a crap about the Seahawks and football.
0: Oh, that's good. Well, that keeps you busy all winter, and you're you've always enjoyed. Are you a nature guy? You get sure. out, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you get, go camping and we hiking
3: got, and all that good stuff. We didn't even get to go camping this year. We went to the river once though. It wasn't much of a summer, and everything was kind of booked. We tried to go to Milo twice, and it was like there is no campsites available. We're like. And I'm like, I could frame pack and, like, bitch a tent in the middle of nowhere kind of guy. But it is fun to glamp a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. You would bring some, some sous vide steak to just warm up on the grill. That's the, one of the fun parts about, like, the modernist cuisine. It makes camping, like, camp food stuff so much easier. Like, make it, cryovac it, right there, and man. just warm it up in a pot of water. You have to, like, bring one thing, and you can have anything you want. And we play a lot of disc golf out there, too.
0: Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. So, um, where do you see, do you think about five or ten years from now? How old are you, by the way? I'm 38. And you're looking great. Thank you. always look great. So, uh, but 38's a great age, man. That's right there. You,
3: it's Yeah, it's something better happen kind of thing, right? Like,
0: <laughs> well, you've learned a lot. That's true. You man. know, you know a lot more than when you were 28. So, we probably met right about then. Uh-huh. So, yeah. 38, you got, you, you got some wisdom to work with. Um, so what do you want to do in 10 years? You've, cause you've done a lot of different things, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, you're just, you're going to have a big restaurant in Portland and that's not what you've done. No, it's true. Well,
3: It wasn't, it's funny. Like in 10 years, I better have, I've got a whole thing I want to do. I'm like, um, uh, for, for the role playing game industry, like, cause that's as far as food and passion, not so much. Like I like running a restaurant, like I'm good at it and I like doing it, but I don't like think about, it, like I don't daydream about pastry or anything like that. Um, it's it's my new, my, my, my D&D passion, my, my role-playing like this, this uh, very inclusive, I've created um, a company. We have an LLC. Uh, I've created a company that that makes experiences for people, you know, and we're very passionate about what we do. We give a crap about it. We spend money on it. Um, so I think what I'd love to be at a spot where, and this is a franchisable idea, would, would be something that, like a warehouse with multiple rooms. One's got recording equipment in it. One's got cameras for your Twitch streaming. A few other rooms are just like fun looking rooms with nice tables to game at. Um, There's a whole painter's room, right? With all the gear in there. So the idea would be a place where people who who don't have the room at home or just can't get their group to meet in one spot would be like a mutual spot where they would simply like rent the room for a certain amount of time, use the equipment in there. We'd have some resident um, like painters builders podcasters in there because this is not going to stop like the podcasts and the twitch streaming and the youtubing it's not going to stop not in 10 years it's not no um so i want to create a space that is kind of uniquely designed for this that the role-playing game industry that highlights and makes equipment like what's in front of my face right now accessible and easy to use so your excellent concept that you just can't execute because you're in your mom's basement and you don't have the money for a mic set up. You just come to us and we'll rent you the room for three hours and you do your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, So that's that's kind of where I want to be in 10 years is have like this little, this essentially, have you ever been to ADX in Portland? No. It's cool. It's, um, it's off at 12. It's right next to Nostrana. It's basically a giant um, workshop, metal and wood and 3D printing. And you rent your time there. Uh, they teach classes on weekends, that kind of
0: thing. Well, the so whole it's like a mix. It's going to be rentable at right. some point. No one really needs to own anything. Mm-hmm. Or was it, you were mentioning to me yesterday no. that there's there are complexes a, now that apartment and
1: business complexes that are putting in podcasting studios as part of their part of their suite.
0: It's
3: kind of like a it's like it's kind of like WeWork, but with more specific resources. Mm-hmm. As appo- you know, like we have a podcast room, we have the, the video room, we have the Twitch streaming room yeah rent them like they're going to be expensive because we're going to you know paying our equipment off from then on but that's really one where i want to take my role-playing game like where, where what we do for orcs and like bringing this like this really fun uh very communal very face to face um that's the other reason D got big is because people realize that we should like sit in the same room as each other <laughs> and and like it, it's such a like a multimedia life where it's like oh my god just sitting down with friends for four hours is awesome and because it's hard to do, you know.
0: So is this something you mentioned that the uninitiated would still have a good time? If I came oh, and I know nothing about it, zero, would I still have a good time?
3: Dude, our our tagline is, is 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 roll dice, get drunk, have fun. So it's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, but I'm not a big drinker either. So doesn't
3: doesn't matter. It's I, it's, it's I can a drink hoot. a little bit. I no, just don't
0: want to drink to get drunk.
3: No, no, it's a who. It's fun. Um, and all of our all of our dungeon masters are really talented. With first time players, it's a very big thing because we do a whole play test and interview scenario with these with people. We want to make the most diverse, like acceptable, uh, accepting like group of professionals under under our umbrella of orcs. And we've done a good job curating them and they know how to how to handle like the dad.
0: Uh, uh, Stupid question. I know it is pokemon do
3: you have is there any miss me on that one that okay. wasn't my i was too old
0: well not so much for you but is there an opportunity for that sort of thing because people travel all, all over the country to do that so okay so miss you you're not there um you have a lot of self-confidence you can see it over the last few years have you ever had a moment that you were scared shitless that you didn't know what you were going to do Where you were, I'm sure some of those Racion
3: days were rough. Don't, don't close a restaurant, man. It'll put you in a pretty serious depression for sure. I don't want to go out because I didn't want to to explain that I didn't have a, you know, a piece of art anymore. Like after we closed Racion. Yeah, because that's the first question one's going to ask you. What What, happened? What happened to your restaurant? Like for the 80th time today, (laughs) you know it didn't make enough money and people don't like cool food, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? So no, yeah, that definitely sucked.
0: how did you get through that?
3: Uh, how did I get through that? Well, it was interesting. I sold a lot of my equipment and so I got to kind of like reconnect with a bunch of chef friends. So that was a nice, a nice part of it. Um, and then we moved over to Belmont and honestly, I I played a lot of disc golf and like baked in the sun for a bit and didn't do much of anything
0: and that helped or it, it was good. I can exacerbate it because you're not accomplishing that much. It was good because
3: I was, uh, and then after that, you know, I started being a, there's a few month grace period there. And then what almost always happens in the food biz, um, I don't care how crappy or awesome of a chef you are. You'll close a restaurant. You'll be sad. And then people will try to hire you. So then that's when I started consulting. Um, I was doing, um, a fair amount of, um, like catering for, for people that liked my stuff. Um, a few great families had me doing like once, twice a month catering for their big rich person parties. It was great. So that was really nice. Um, I was meeting, I was, I was, I designed like, like two and a half kitchens just as like, I'll do this for this much money. And here's my idea. And that, so a little like, like the, the back end stuff, um, I didn't really like physically cook in a restaurant for a while.
0: But and- you didn't know that was coming either. When you closed Racine, there was, you had to learn that was okay. I'll be okay. So if it ever, anything like that should ever happen again, and you're still only 38, there's a lot of you, you'll be able to draw upon that to say, Hey, I got through that. That's mm-hmm. what happened. It doesn't just, things don't stop. And that's what I think is important to remember it, Things don't just stop. You're not going to be standing there looking at a wall.
3: And it wasn't like my fault. Like I didn't make a mistake. It just didn't work. It'd be one thing if I completely tanked it or something like that or said something really dumb or, you know, left my own door unlocked and it, everything got stolen out of there. Like that would have been my fault. Right. And this was not, like, you're you're a public, you're making a public place like a restaurant. It's not, there's a many, there's many factors of why something doesn't work. Um, and most of them you can't control.
0: And restaurants close all the time for various reasons. Yep. And uh, they're not always bad reasons. No. So.
3: Yeah. Oftentimes they're like annoying. Like, why? Oh my God. This was really so good. How did this close? Like, oh, one of the investors decided to pull out. Like, right. that was it. Well, Ooh, or the done. lease was up. Simple as that's that. Rent went up. And that's yeah. kind of what, what did happen with us. It was, it was a, a rent money thing like that.
0: And that's not cheap space over there.
3: Nope. Not at all. And the whole thing was... It was kind of shoehorned in the whole time, you know, so uh like I said, I, we were, and the funny thing was we almost moved Racion, and this is when I was talking to Micah a lot, to where Boxer Sushi was on mm. Hawthorne and 20th, and mm. that had been primo, so Nimblefish is in there now, which is a perfect right. setting for, 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 um. Well, especially after
0: Boxer Sushi was there. It's it was great. Built in.
3: But when we went and looked at the space, Micah's was like, what do you think you need to change? I'm like, not much. Like, we were working with No Hoods, No Nothing before Ross Young. This is perfect. And it was right next to Lad's Edition. And, like, what a neighborhood. It's on a cool corner. Um, and we were, like, a month out from moving when Kurt Huffman was like, yeah, we don't have any money. We're going to have to actually close. Because we, we were talking about this move pretty mm. hard. Um, and I was really excited for it. But, you know, stuff happens in the biz. And I got to open a bunch of cool restaurants yeah, in the some, meantime.
0: You've had some incredible experiences, I think. Uh, just reading through your bio... Yeah, there's and I a lot of I knew everything, but it triggered me. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did this. He did. And, you know, you're young to have done all those things. Um, I'm just curious, quick list of where you're liking to hang now, who, who, whose food you're loving, or who, what, what vibe you're liking. It doesn't always have to be the food. Hmm.
3: That's good. Like I say, I go to dinner about once a month, maybe, you know, me and my girlfriend Kelsey went to Il Salido and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. I will say that I like what they're doing over there. Um, if I'm going to sit down, God, I just haven't been out. Um, I'm a big fan of yours in Slabtown. The old, uh, oh, re- came me.
0: I was like, what am I doing? Why you
3: are, apostrophe, yes. Yours is a, it's, it's, it's two and a half blocks away from Little Bean.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the pri- and it's just on the other side of the, of the, where the freeway comes in. And, um, it's not the Pearl anymore. And it's nice, it's a nice dark bar. Um, and their food is super solid and priced right. Cause finding lunch in the Pearl is impossible. Mm-hmm. It just is. We've been there for almost a year or like, well, half, half a year, like open. And it's pretty hard to find, but yeah, you walk two and a half blocks you know under under a under a freeway overpass boom, good stuff over there Yeah, so, there's
0: a lot over there.
3: yeah so yours is good, and they're doing strong like that that bar's been there for 20, 30 years, probably even more. Um, that's
0: it, what I was looking for Someplace good. I hadn't it, heard from anybody yet. Yeah go to, cool. go to
3: yours it was it's delicious, man they don't they don't mess around with their their like weekly uh Burger of the week and sandwich of the week are excellent. Um, I like them I like a lot of their stuff they know they know their way around some some tater tots. You know, and it's it's got, like, I've been there on a Friday night, and it was popping off, but they're open. It's like one of those drunk old man bars. Like, it just kind of always open, mm-hmm. you know? So, go in there at, like, 11, and there's people there. You can go in there at 2 and 30 in the afternoon. It's great. So, we like to do a little bit of yours every so often. Oh, and I just had some pizza from the Star, and I was pretty impressed.
0: I like that. I have to go back. I had it once. The Thin Crust, uh, no. The deep dish was awesome. Yeah, I had the deep dish, and there was some... People from Chicago sitting right next to me. And I said, what do you think? And they said, "Ah, it's not really. They didn't think it was real close to Chicago. I said, but how does it stand on its own if someone doesn't label it? It's the same thing with a Pizza Shoals or or Gladstone pizza when they want to stick that New Haven label on. Mm -hmm. It's a different deal than do you like it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think it's pretty good.
3: Yeah. And then other than that, like speaking of Pizza Shoals, I try to order that as much as possible. Um, and, uh, and, uh, pizza jerk as well.
0: That clam pie is tasty. Yeah. there I was yeah, I'm glad I was going to go there. Mm-hmm. my, I love Tommy's clam pie. Yeah. And I can, it's the only thing I consider myself, uh, a little bit of an authority on, not from a chef standpoint, but I've eaten a few. In right, my life. right, right,
3: right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot
0: in New Haven. So, um, anyway, well, cool. It's been great. We should have had you on a lot sooner, but you had a lot to talk about. Yeah. This is great. Great uh, news at, at Little Bean with what you're doing, and uh, wish you luck there. And I have, to, I, I have to admit, I haven't been down there yet. I got to get get down. I don't know when's a good time for me to come down when you're there.
3: Weekdays. You're Weekdays there. in the
0: afternoon. Yeah. So you took a little time off to come in here. Yeah. From the shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's
3: cool. Um, you know, uh. It's a cafe. It's an ice cream shop. It's pretty interesting. Like, we've got two very different times we're busy. So you can kind of plan around that.
0: And uh, are you in a position there to converse and socialize with your clientele?
3: Very much so. So Oh, yeah. So you're out there. One of the biggest, most important parts of, of Little Bean and the concept in general is to be able to explain the product to people. So it's not something scary. And our staff loves what we make. So, we've got a bunch of passionate people, and it's behind a counter that's barely a counter. Like, we get on the floor with our samples pretty quickly. So, it's you, very, very open.
0: So, in order for someone to work there, they have to know the product, believe in the product, because there's nothing worse than going and having someone say, I don't oh, know what I need. I don't need it. So. They don't
3: even know how to, like, they don't even need to know how to, like, cook or do something like that. Um, we can train that, but they got to. Honestly, everyone who, who applied for, for jobs were, like, already gluten-free or vegan or both. Okay. 100%. It was, it was, they they came to us, kind of thing, and I still get emails every day for people that want to work at, at Little Bean because they love the concept, and I honor them with a really nice email back. Sometimes we need them, I'm like, thank you so much, but even if we're not hiring, it's like, thank you so much for supporting this entire thing we're doing, really trying to make, like, a new a new treat, a new product that is really low on how much it takes up for resources and really healthy for you and you know there's we have 15 employees maybe a little more um well, that'll change all the time but we're changing all, you know but that's but you're supporting us out, you know you're
0: probably be up to 17 or 18 or maybe maybe in 50 who knows i don't know but they're
3: gonna, uh, gonna lose a whole bunch of high school kids because they're going back to school next
0: week oh that's right mm-hmm. well um good luck with it we'll see you soon i sincerely appreciate this went. We went over, but it's easy to go over when it's going, when it's an easy conversation. Um, so, uh, and I knew it would be, and I haven't talked to you for a long time. I I kind of was like
3: hour and 15 minutes. (laughs) That's a nice concept (laughs) when you're doing an interview. At least I've always felt the same way too. And I never know how much time it takes for like this, this setup, this mic setup was like ready to go. But you know, who knows when there's some, some, some gear to deal with. So I've got no problem going over, man. It's all good. No,
0: well. I don't know if court does he's the one who might have a problem (laughs) with it but no the nice wrap it up fellas yeah the nice thing about podcasts is you're not beholden to a certain amount of time it's just what listeners will tolerate and some of them are very long Mm -hmm. you know some are an hour and a half but um or even longer but uh it's a pleasure and it's way it's how it's one of the ways I can keep in touch with folks like you yeah as I said I haven't been in I'm in town a day or two a week. I don't get to go to a lot of places. You know, you said you go out once a month, take yourself out of here five days a week and or four days a week and see how many places you can say I've been. But Seriously. this way we get to hang out a little bit. Yeah. So thanks so much, appreciate it. And th- by the way, thanks for being on board. I remember when I was in an airport somewhere, I don't remember where it was, and you called and said, what's this Portland Food Adventures thing? I want to talk to you. Yeah. And that was, re- that was really great for me because I was new in this whole thing mm-hmm. and uh, it was cool that someone was actually interested in uh, in doing so it. So
3: I actually do that kind of thing still to this day for Little Bean. Like if something will come up or I'll see like a Facebook like, hey, this party's happening and I'll be like, oh, we should be a part of that. So I will reach out to the organizer of it and offer our services. I'd done it a bunch of times like last week and getting some cool things like this Dropbox Derby competition thing on labor day on the east bank esplanade Mm -hmm. reach out to those guys so we're part of that we're gonna have our our, our cool ice cream van down there um portland or the pearl block party of course because it's like a block away from where we're actually at
0: we should be giving away some little bean certificates at pfa events i haven't called you for that usually it's chef driven who they want to do but i'm happy to promote they're they're coming from moo like today just
3: free scoop guys that you can you can put in your your you know your guest packets. It's like chiropractors and acupuncturists hit me up on a weekly basis for this stuff, just because the whole health 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 angle right, of it exactly. is like the main reason, and well, it's, it's kind
0: of cool. That's good. Well, yeah. let me know because I got a great event at Arito. You know those guys, Mm-mm. so uh, that's um, really cool. Fish. They're doing your kind of concept, the space right next to Barca Savala, um, and there, so there's we,
3: another. Was it where B.Y. was for a second?
0: It's in the back of that Scotch lot. Yes, it's where B.Y. was for a second. Okay. Right, that's where it was. And uh, so we're there next month. Oh, it's awesome. Small event, you know, 18 folks. And then we have uh, Scott Dolich is doing his thing at Stone Soup. So we're doing a Wildwood reunion there. I was going to say, I miss Scott Dolich. Yeah, he's, but he's still around. What's he doing? He's at Stone Soup. He's consulting there. And Stone Soup is down in the old Guilt Club space. And they are, um, they are taking people who are in need and teach them skills so they can get in the business.
3: That's perfect. Scott's an awesome teacher, too. Yeah, he's great.
0: So we have an event there in October. So either one or both. Mm. you want me to slide some little beans?
3: I'd love that. That'd be great.
0: Certificates in there? Yep. All right. Uh, I usually don't do that on the air, <laughs> well, <laughs> but right. why not? Yeah, now, now there's pressure on one of us. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate it. You got it.
2: Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.